You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Here's the deal. Listen up. A person's unwillingness to repent doesn't lessen my responsibility to confront them or yours, ours. You hear that? I'm not responsible for how they respond. That's not my responsibility. I can't control that. I cannot control how they're going to respond. Neither can you. But I'm still called to lovingly, out of heart of compassion, confront them. Have you ever been in a situation where you know someone who's living in unrepentant, willful sin and shows no sign of turning away from it? Did it make you feel as though it would be a waste of time to confront them and plead for them to repent? In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach you that even in those seemingly hopeless situations, we're no less responsible to call them to repentance. In his study, you'll learn that it's not for us to decide the condition of someone's heart, even when it seems so glaringly obvious. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Luke, chapter 3, with today's edition of The Living Word. The last prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3, verse 19. When John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, who he was having an adulterous relationship with, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Last prophet of the Old Testament, and one that introduced us to the initiator of the New Covenant, Jesus the Christ. Ultimately, he had his head cut off. He lost his head for the Lord, literally. Now, I could give you more stories, but that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. And here's what just that sampling of stories in the Bible tells us. Here's what it tells us. Listen carefully. The majority of people recorded in this book who were confronted in their sin were not willing to repent. They were not willing. And they suffered the consequences. You do have a few. Nathan confronted David, and thank God David repented. Remember Ahab? Ahab, one of the most wicked kings, one of the most wicked kings in biblical history. But near the end of his life, he repented. And God said, see how he's humbled himself, so I'm not going to bring on him the judgment that I had planned. Just because he humbled himself and repented. Now, here's the deal. Listen up. A person's unwillingness to repent doesn't lessen my responsibility to confront them or yours, ours. You hear that? I'm not responsible for how they respond. That's not my responsibility. I can't control that. I cannot control how they're going to respond. Neither can you. But I'm still called to lovingly, out of heart of compassion, to confront them. You know what some things are that will prevent us from loving confrontation? By the way, didn't share this last night, but it just hits me right now. One of the reasons people won't become re- relational in a church body, <laughs> they don't want people to know about their lives. They don't want people to know. Here's the first thing, fear. I mean, just those stories I, I went through very quickly. What, what will they do to me? What will they think of me? Fear. How are they going to respond when I confront them? 
past personal failure. I think this may be, may be one of the reasons that David did not respond correctly to his two sons, Amnon and Absalom. Remember, Amnon raped his half-sister, Tamar, Absalom's full sister, and Absalom then conspired and carried out a plot, and he murdered his brother, Amnon. David was guilty of both those sins, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and then having Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed so he could have the woman. Don't let past personal failure keep you from dealing with your children correctly. And don't let past personal failure cause you to not to confront another Christian who's wandered from the truth and going their own way. They might look at you when you confront them and say, wait a minute, you did the same thing. Who are you? Who are you to talk to me? But if you've really repented, don't let your past failure, which may be just like theirs, keep you from lovingly confronting them. You're not responsible for how they respond. Nothing you can do about that. Third thing is my need to repent. Sometimes we're not going to confront somebody else because we got sin in our own lives that needs to be dealt with. And until we let God deal with the sin in our own lives, we can't really confront anybody else. And we know that. And here's the fourth. We don't really love them. If we do not discipline our children, it proves we don't really love them. No matter how much emotion you have toward that child. That's what the Bible says. If we really love people, we really love people. We're willing to confront them compassionately and in love because we really care for them. Because what's the motive? What are we trying to do? We're trying to get them back on the path. Back on the path where they can be blessed because the way they're headed, they're headed for the wall. Now, here's some things to consider before we confront hypocrisy. And this ties in with some those first four points, you know, my need to repent. Jesus said to the religious leaders, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? First get the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly how to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's make sure we deal with our own sin. Now, look, we understand, too, none of us are perfect. We're not talking about getting to a point where you're perfect. None of us are perfect. James said we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways, but we're talking about a habitual thing. We're talking about somebody who's caught in something and they've wandered. And so they're walking daily, not with the Lord and not according to truth. They've gone their own way. That's the idea. They've gone their own way. And so we got to make sure <laughs> as far as we know, you know, we are, we are on the path. We are trying to, we are, we are humble. We are submitted to the Lord. As a matter of fact, that's the second point, humility. I love the story in 1 Samuel 25. King David and the men that had gathered around him while he's running from Saul and he becomes their leader, uh, they're staying at a place near Carmel. And um, there's a fellow that owns the land and the sheep and all that are there. Uh, his name's Nabal. And David and his men protected Nabal's servants and protected his property. And so it's sheep shearing time, and David thinks it's a great time now to send a messenger to Nabal and say, hey, you got anything for David and his men? And so he sends some of his men as a messenger, and Nabal, whose name means fool, lives up to his name. And he says, who is this David? Every, a lot of people are breaking away in rebellion against their masters. I mean, he didn't give them anything. The men come back to David and tell him, and what does he do? Boys, strap on your swords. We're going to take out Nabal and all the men there in his household. 
He's going to get vengeance. He's wandered from the path. A man of God. David. Nabal's wife, uh, I don't know how he got this woman, because she's got character. I mean, godly character. She hears about what's happening, and she tells the servants, uh, get some provisions ready, and they load it up on the donkeys, and she goes hurriedly to meet David, and when she gets to him, she bows. And she speaks to him very humbly. And in her humble confrontation of David in his wayward path, thank God he responds correctly. He repents. And he even thanks her and says, if you had not come today, I certainly would have carried out what I planned. Because of you, I'm not going to do what I intended. And what would have happened did not happen because Abigail humbly confronted David in his waywardness. Here's another thing to consider. Truth. Wandered from the truth. I want to make sure, we want to make sure when we confront somebody lovingly, out of compassion, that what we're confronting them about, you can find in this book clearly. All right? How many times did the Pharisees and religious leaders confront Jesus and his disciples condemningly, and what they confronted them about and condemned them for had nothing to do with truth. Healing on the Sabbath, picking kernels of grain in the field on the Sabbath, failing to observe religious ceremonial washings, accusing Jesus of being a drunkard and a glutton, guilt by association. He's hanging out with publicans and sinners. He must be one. Jesus (laughs) accused him of being demon-possessed. And all the accusations had, had no basis of truth at all. Somebody was recently telling me, one of the fellows in the church and one of his clients, I guess as a Christian, goes to another church. You'd recognize the church if I said the name. And I'm not going to mention the name because I'm not trying to slander anybody, but it just was humorous to me. I guess the lady had been in a part of this church for a while, and she'd heard about Calvary Chapel, and she heard that I, um, I preach in jeans. Thank God I wore my <laughs> other pants today. And uh, she just couldn't get over how, how in the world I could, I could do that. You, really? You're kidding me. You're going to condemn me because I preach in jeans? Where, where, where do you find that in the Bible? Come on. Jesus said to the Pharisees, come on, guys, make a right judgment. You're judging things based on your tradition and based on your own opinion. Hey, let's find something in the Word of God. That's what we're looking for. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of James. Each time you open the word, there's potential to learn. The New Testament letter from James is no exception. In its pages, you'll continue to find advice and practical application for living as a follower of Jesus. James emphasizes that faith is more than just words. It needs to be backed up by action. You live your faith out every day in how you interact with your family, friends, and co-workers, and what you spend your time doing. We hope that today you've been encouraged by the words of this book and that you've been inspired to show your faith to the world around you. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Pastor Danny Hodges right now, you can do so by visiting our website ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons. 
you'll be directed to our YouTube page where you can watch a number of Calvary Chapel Fellowship services and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join in the conversations there. Feel free to connect with us too, and we'll add some encouragement to your newsfeed. You'll be able to find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us, and we hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.